Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today. Dave Therrien, Hook Radio, the Hook Club Podcast, uh, Live, YouTube and Facebook right now. Go over there, check it out. Also, 1590 AM, 92.7 FM. I'm going to you all kinds of ways today, as usual. You know, when you read the Gospels, you see that people treated Jesus all kinds of ways. Here's a, here's a man, he came to do good. And there's always the crowd that calls good bad. Some came to hear him because they were in need of hope. Some came because they were curious, that's okay. Some came to tempt him, to test him, to mock him. Some came to rebuke him. Yet his motives never changed. It was always to do good. Oftentimes when people ask Jesus a question, he would answer it by telling a story. <laughs> if, you, if you read through the Gospels, right? He doesn't give a lot of straight answers. He tells a story. Sometimes he tells a story because people were complaining about his gracious ways. Oh, they would do that. They challenged his grace. You know, people that challenge the grace of God are those that have not recognized God's grace toward them. That's the thing. Because when you recognize God's grace towards you, oh yeah, you don't challenge it. The Pharisees, they complained that Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus, why are you with those people? Those are bad people. You're, you're supposed to be so good. Why are you with those that are so bad? So you know what he did? He told stories. He told the story of the lost sheep. He told the story of the lost coin. And the story of the lost son. All in Luke 15. And each story ended with rejoicing. Because that which was lost was found. See, that's the point. They couldn't understand why Jesus was with those that were lost. He was with those that were lost so they could be found by God. So God, they would find God. He also, he told a parable to teach people never give up when you pray. You know, sometimes we, we pray and we don't see any results and we like, oh, forget it. What's the use? I've been praying for two weeks. <laughs> I've been praying for two months. I've been praying for two years. Nothing's happening. So Jesus tells a story. It's called the persistent widow. Some call it the unjust judge. But it was about a woman that went to a judge and she just continued to go to him. She was relentless. And finally the judge gave in. He said, I'm giving in to her. You know why? She's wearing me out. This lady's wearing me down. I can't take it anymore. And Jesus was teaching persistence. If there's anything good you're going to go after in life, you have to persist. People that suffer from the malady of give-up-itis 
will not succeed. Persistence is the key. Okay? So, Jesus told many stories, parables, really. He called them parables. A parable is a story with a spiritual meaning. It's a story that has a natural illustration, and it's got a spiritual meaning embedded inside. And what it does is it teaches the important things of life. When Jesus taught, he taught about the important things. You know, you can go on social media and spend all day looking at things that are not important. But when you read the Gospels and you see the things that Jesus said, everything he said is important. That's right. There's not one thing that he said that was not important. And it was about life. So we're in a series entitled, getting to the end of it, Dynamic Christianity. And Jesus is going to tell a story about dynamic caring. And I'm sure you've heard this before. And that's good, because we need to hear these stories over and over again. He told this parable, that's what it was, a parable, an answer to the question that someone asked him in Luke chapter 10. And here's what happened in verse 25. A lawyer stood up and put him to the test. Remember we talked about different different varieties of people that came to Jesus. Some were curious, some needed hope, some were testing him. This guy, he's a tester. Okay, so a certain lawyer, he stood up and he put Jesus to the test. And he said, teacher, you know, some people call Jesus Lord. He called him, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, when the Bible says that he stood up and put him to the test, the word is parazzo, and it means to test and to tempt. And you know where else we find this word? After Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness in Matthew 4, in verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And wouldn't you know it, the word for tempter? Parazzo, <laughs> the tester. So you could, you, you could call this lawyer the tester, the tempter just like Satan was in the wilderness. Now, this lawyer, right? When we talk about ancient-day lawyers, we're talking about people that know the Scriptures. They know the law, the Mosaic law, okay? They're not criminal lawyers and defense lawyers. They know the law of Moses, and their job is to interpret the law. So he's a teacher of the law. We would call him a Bible professor. So when he said to Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He's saying that he wants to do something that he can boast about. That's what every religion in the world is about, except Christianity. It's all about doing something. There's nothing you can do to get to God. God has come to you in Christ, and all you need to do is embrace him. That's all. So this guy wants to do something so he can boast. He can say, hey, I received eternal life because pfft, look at what I did. And Jesus said to him, okay, you're a lawyer, right? What's written in the law? 
How does it read to you? Right? The answer's in your own education. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. It's not a matter of doing. Here it comes. It's a matter of loving. God is more interested in our loving more than our doing. And that's why he would say to the Pharisees, the Lord doesn't desire your sacrifices. It's compassion that the Lord desires. Doing without love is a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. That's what the Apostle Paul said. You only call attention to yourself. So the Christian life, following Christ, getting to heaven, it's about loving. But for this guy, that wasn't good enough. In verse 28, here it comes. And remember, he's doing this in front of Jesus. I'm like, buddy, don't you know that's Jesus? What, are you crazy? But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, okay, if you want me to love my neighbor, who's my neighbor? Who is he? Now, you see, because he was a lawyer, he already knew the answer. You know why? Because it was written in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then in Leviticus 19, 18, let's add another scripture. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Signed, I am the Lord. Okay? So, being a lawyer, he knew all of this stuff. Or he should have. And by the way, with the Jews, their understanding was, okay, I know I need to love my fellow Jew, but everybody else, forget about it. <laughs> That's what they do. I don't have to love non-Jews. I don't have to love Gentiles. I just have to love my own people. And I want you to see how now Jesus tells the story. Because many times when Jesus spoke, he took the law and he drove it home. Like when the law said, don't commit adultery. He said, if you did it in your heart, you've done it. Wow. Now he's going to talk about love. And what does it mean to love your neighbor? And he's going to take it way beyond your own people. So the lawyer presses Jesus again, trying to test him, who is my neighbor? Now Jesus tells the parable. He said in verse 30, again, he didn't answer the question. He told the story. That's what's so great about Jesus. He said, who's my neighbor? Okay. A man was going down from Jericho, I mean from Jerusalem, to Jericho. And he fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him. And they went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, the word saw is the word horao. It means to stare, to take a long look. That's where we get the word horizon. You know, when you look at the horizon, you, you go from left to right, maybe right to left, and you just take it all in, right? So when he saw him, he stared at him. What happened? Passed by on the other side. Verse 32, likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, 
Harao, same thing. He stared at him, took a long look. This guy on the side of the road, stripped, beaten, half dead. He's looking at him. You know what he did? Passed by on the other side. Now, two things about these two men. Number one, they were in the social justice system. Right? Priest and a Levi, come on. Secondly, they were Jewish. Now, here comes the fastball. Verse 33. But a Samaritan. When Jesus said, but a Samaritan, he's going to signify something different about this guy. And what was different was he wasn't Jewish. He was a Samaritan. As a matter of fact, he was the only one of that race in the story. Okay, because the priest and the Levite, they were Jewish. So here comes another guy. He's not Jewish. He's from Samaria. And by the way, hated by the Jews. Okay, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans because the Samaritans kind of like were infiltrated or should I say assimilated with neighboring nations and they can't, they weren't true Jews. They had mixed blood. The Jewish people remained true blue, true Jews, true blue Jews. But the Samaritans were like half Jewish and half Gentile. So this Samaritan was on a journey and he came upon him. And when he saw him, hurrao, same thing, to stare. He took a long look. See, they all did the same thing when they saw that man. They looked and they stared. And by the way, we also believe the man that was half dead on the side of the road, he was Jewish because the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a business route and Jews would travel from Jerusalem to Jericho to do business. And Jesus also said, but this Samaritan, see, he's, he's singling out the Samaritan for a reason, answering the question, who was my neighbor? Okay. So they all, here it is. They all saw the same thing. The priest, the Levi, the Samaritan. They all saw a guy lying on the side of the road, stripped, beaten, probably pretty bloody, half dead. But this third guy, this Samaritan, there was something going on with him. Jesus said he felt compassion. Compassion means to be moved and his emotions. And you know, real compassion has action. If you consider yourself a compassionate person, that's good, but action must accompany your compassion, or else your compassion is useless. What good is it? Love is an action. You can say you love someone, but if there's no action to support it, it's useless. God so loved the world, Big deal. Wait. That he gave his only begotten son. Oh, there's the action. Now it means something. Okay? So, real compassion has action. So, what did this man do? He came to him. He bandaged up his wounds. Pouring oil and wine on them. That's like the ancient day mercurochrome. <laughs> How many remember mercurochrome? Remember that? That red stuff you put on a cut or a bruise, that's ancient. I don't even know if they sell it anymore. 
So anyway, he, 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 he poured the liquids on him to clean out those wounds. Then he put him on his own beast and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. See, that inn was on the road of where businessmen traveled. He took care of the present. He bandaged him. That was the present need, the immediate need. He bandaged him. And then he took care of the future need. He brought him to an end. And you know, there's some things we kind of skip over when we read this story. He spent the night caring for him. Did you know that? In verse 35, he didn't just drop him off and say, can you take this guy, take care of this guy? Here's a couple of bucks. No, he spent the night with him all night long. Because it says on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. Now think about it. A few things about this Samaritan. He probably had a good reputation for being an honest man because the innkeeper trusted him. Can you see the importance of having a good testimony, a good reputation? You know, there are times you're going to want to be trusted. So you live a life that is trustworthy. So should that time come, there's no problemo with that, and you can be trusted. Okay? Another thing about this guy, he was on his way to do business, but he didn't mind interrupting his journey for one day. He lost a day's travel, and he spent all night with this man. And then in the morning, he got up. And he gave him a couple of days' wages to the innkeeper. He said, I'm going to come back this way. And if he stays longer and you need more, I'll, I'll, I'll pay the difference. It's quite a guy. So in verse 36, Jesus tells this story. And after he tells the story, he often asks the question. And he said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor of the man who fell into the robber's hands? See, the purpose of the story is to get people to think. To get people to think and then come up with their own conclusion. So in verse 37, he said, Well, the one who showed mercy toward him. And then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. There it is, buddy. That's your neighbor. Your neighbor is not the guy whose address is a digit different from your house. Your neighbor is someone that you come across that's in need. That's your neighbor. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with gender. It has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with compassion on people. That's where Christianity stands out from everything else compassion. When you look at the cataclysmic events that go on all over the world, floods and earthquakes and all kinds of things, who's the first one to send aid? The United States of America. Why? Because we're a nation that originally was built on biblical principles, and we understand compassion, and we send aid everywhere. And it doesn't matter their religion, oftentimes even their political agendas, because we are 
compassionate people. I think we might be losing it. I'll tell you what. If we lose the Christian presence in this country and in our government, we will lose compassion. Oh, yeah. We will not be the world's first aid kid any longer. There'll be no compassion because compassion comes from Christ. So the series is entitled Dynamic Christianity. And if Christianity is not dynamic, is it real Christianity? Is, is Christianity concerts and, and campaigns and, and events and things we assemble at? Is, is Christianity singing loud in church? Or is Christianity loving thy neighbor in the name of Christ? So that makes it dynamic. And a lesson that we can learn from this story is that people in need are our neighbors whether we like them or not. We are surrounded by people whose lives are not doing well. The homeless, for example. Some are homeless through their own choices, others through the fault, no fault of their own. Our place is not to judge them for where they are in life. Our place is to be like this Samaritan, to have compassion, help with the present need, and help with the future need. You know what we do here at New Hope? We handed out these little burlap sacks and we asked people to fill them with little hygiene products and uh, some snacks and we provided little spiritual booklets on how to find Christ. We keep them in our cars. And when you see someone on the side of the road that's got the sign up, anything helps, you give them the little sack. I've given out three. Wish I had more. But I mean, opportunities, but I've done three. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. They, they, number one, they feel somebody notices them. Somebody cares about them to give them that little sack of materials. And then maybe the little booklets will lead them to know Christ as Savior. So you take care of their immediate need with the products. And then we take care of their future need with the spiritual literature that tells them God loves them and they can have eternal life through Christ. And why do we do that? Because Jesus said, go and do the same. Go and do what, I, what this Samaritan did in the story. So you can do that. You can go out and find some little bag, little gift bags or something, right? And you go out and, you know, we buy, we buy the little trial samples, you know, toothpaste, toothbrush, Kleenex, hand sanitizers, uh, snacks, water, protein bars, and little tracks, little booklets, little things that introduce people to Christ. Tie them all up. Keep them in your car. If you see somebody, say, yeah, roll down the window. I'd like you to have this. Matter of fact, I gave one out last week. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I gave one out last week, and the guy goes to me, that's the Dave. <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> he said, hey, how you doing? I said, oh, all right, how you doing? I said, what are you doing here? He says, I'm down on my luck. I said, oh. I said, you know, well, you know, God bless you and hope this helps. And I didn't know who it was. You know me. I didn't know him. <laughs> so you never know. You never know who you're going to help. You never know. And Jesus even said, you know, sometimes, not Jesus, Hebrews, entertain, be nice to strangers. Some have entertained 
angels without even knowing it. So let's think about our Christian walk and what can we do to make it dynamic? That's the key. Dynamic. And how is it dynamic? When it's like Christ. That's how. It's like Christ. When your life is like the life of Christ, and of course, we'll never be as perfect as him, but we try to emulate his compassion. And when we do that, that becomes a dynamic Christianity. And what does dynamic mean? What do we say it meant? It meant alive. It meant effective. It meant powerful. That's dynamic Christianity. You want your life to have an impact, right? You, you, you want it to be like, hey, you know what? The world is better because of me. Somebody's life is better because of me. I'm glad God gave me life and, and, and the life that he gave me was in some respects used to make another person's life better. It blessed them. And isn't that, isn't that the way life works? I mean, we've all been blessed by the lives of other people. All of us, right? So thankfully and prayerfully that our lives would be a blessing somehow, some way to others as well. That's our goal. That's our goal. And you know, there's joy that always comes back. You know, when you give, you think you're giving joy, but it comes back to you, oh yeah, many times over. Jesus said, when you give, it's going to come back, pressed down, shaken up. You know, like a box of cereal, right? You get this big box of cereal, you open it up, it's half empty. Well, Jesus' blessings are like, when they fill the box, they shake it up. Then they open it, they put more in. And they shake it up, up, they put more in. Fill it to the top. That's the blessings God will give to you. And now it's that time again. Another reminder. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click the menu bar. Sign up. Give us three bucks a week and we'll send you an email Monday through Friday. Beautiful devotional email. Set to music. It's an audio file. Get you started off on the right foot every day. And your $3 keeps us on the air. And allows us to have podcasts that put God's word on demand at any time. Okay? Think about that good Samaritan. We'll see you next time.